spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. TCU, of course, will remember that right up until the outset of the pandemic. So right up until March of 2020 and for a time period of of more than a year, I was on the road ultimately doing up to two dozen speeches to public audiences in small theaters all across the country. It grew very organically. I never anticipated when I gave the first speech in Los Angeles that it was going to grow and I'd end up in all corners of the country. But it took on a life of its own. It was very successful. We called it the um, American Life in Columns Tour. Indeed. A tour it was. And I would advertise those dates on my Facebook page for small amounts of money. And in that same time period, I had a habit every Saturday before doing my own CNN program of doing a Facebook Live. Facebook Live. And we would Am have. Am I filling in the blanks? Indeed. You are. We would have a couple hundred people watching, and then that crowd would grow exponentially within a couple of hours. Yeah. And I would sometimes, again, small amounts of money, $10. There was, there was a college student managing my social media. Hey, you've got to massage this by spending 10 bucks, 20 bucks on a Facebook Live promoting it with Facebook. I don't know if you remember this whole process. I do I vaguely remember, and there would be booths and geographical things. and yeah. all. I mean, there's and all then, kinds right. of you ways. Could, you, of, could right. you could micro-target. You could micro-target what audience by demographic, by age, by geography. You might also remember that I then became upset because I got flagged by Facebook. And they wouldn't allow the boost. They wouldn't allow the boost. I remember that. Right. They, I remember they, that. They treated me like I was Alex Jones or yeah. something. They said, this is political this content. This is political. Yes. It's, exactly. Okay. So with that by way of background, and I have since stopped using, not for that reason only, but stopped using Facebook because they cast me in a political light that I thought was unfair. And one other thing I will tell you is when you have an issue with Facebook, it is one of these faceless, nameless organizations of which there seem to be a growing list where you can't get a warm body on the phone. Not even close. Okay. So all of that by way of background as to why I in particular... I'm fascinated with Jeff Horwitz's reporting for the Wall Street Journal, where he's just begun publishing what apparently is a series of articles based on his analysis and exposure to a lot of documents that have never seen the public light of day about Facebook. And the first installment was under this headline. Facebook says its rules apply to all company documents reveal a secret elite 
that's exempt. This is Jeff Horwitz. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. So you, of course, can tell I'm upset because I'm not on the list. How does one get oh, on? I, I suspect you actually are. No, okay. no. Although, oh, yeah, no, all... no, no, no. Uh, if, if, if you aren't, this is going to be a matter of extreme negligence, which, mind <laughs> you, is possible if you found out about the program. Um, but, no, everyone, everyone in media should be. Um, uh, that's intentionally designed that way because they do not want exactly things like what you just did, which is complain about a stupid moderation call. Theoretically, I, I can't judge, right? Maybe, maybe you had it coming. But, yeah, um, maybe maybe I did. Maybe it, I am it, Alex Jones. Who knows? But like, but but the um, you know that that's the last thing they want is people noting incompetence or alleging bias, which you know those two things go together pretty often. And um, you know the idea is to make sure that people who are um, big shots, um, which I'm going to reluctantly say applies to Wall Street Journal reporters, even though it feels silly. Uh, but so people in media, entertainment. Athletes, politics, politicians, families, everybody who is someone who could make trouble for them, um, they would like to not see the underbelly of the content moderation system, which is deeply unreliable. So and what? So they created the system. Yeah, go ahead. The, what the, is X Check? Yeah, so Cross Check is, is a system they created. Basically, the general idea is that people who are sensitive, we'll say, are supposed to get a second round of review before any enforcement action gets taken, and sometimes a third and fourth and fifth round of review possibly being conducted by Mark Zuckerberg at the end. But the idea is it's supposed to be quality control. Uh, It is innately biased toward the people who are included in it because it's like an automatic appeal, um, and the rates are overturned. Uh, Enforcement actions are regularly overturned against the people who are included. But that's actually not even the, the end of it, because even with that, they weren't capable of reliably preventing what they called PR fires. So what they would do was whitelist people. And whitelisting is basically the only way to be sure you're not going to mess with someone important is to, not, is to never enforce against those people at all. And so this was effectively um, carte blanche to... to uh, do whatever you wanted on the platform in some instances. And they understood this was, uh, I believe, as one of the documents we, we reported on put it, not publicly defensible, quote-unquote, and a, quote-unquote, breach of trust. Um, but it was convenient for them, and uh, they didn't ever really want to bother investing the resources and actually reviewing all this content, even from this select crew of 5.8 million VIP users. So they, um, they basically let some people just go completely. And they never even bothered reviewing a lot of the things that were flagged by their own systems as violative from the other people in the 5.8 million. 5.8 million sounds like a staggering number until you consider that there are 3 billion Facebook users worldwide. Yes, uh, it's right, right about that number. And, and so, yeah, there's a lot of VIPs. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, this is, I think... People like to talk about how Facebook is biased toward one side or the other politically. I, having gone through a lot of, a lot more Facebook information than Facebook would ever like to have anyone go through outside the company, that's not true. Um, Facebook is very much biased in favor of Facebook. Um, they honestly, you know, right or left, it doesn't make a difference in the U.S. or it doesn't, you know, or, or abroad. Um, the goal here is to make sure that Facebook is protecting its own interests. And so, you know, they 
they're basically concerned with anyone who might criticize them. Well, I'm trying to decide whether this is offensive or good business practice or a combination thereof that Facebook had essentially a TSA pre-check for so-called celebrities who they didn't want complaining about having their posts taken down. TSA pre-check is actually a very nice way of putting it. They know these people pose a risk, and they um, uh, and their own people warn them that powerful users are the people you have to be afraid of. These are the people who can start genocides. These are the people who can rile people up, who can make disinformation about election results believable. And they explicitly chose to give those, give those people a pass. And did those people abuse that privilege? Oh, yeah. No, they, they, they were very much aware of it. One of the... Um, one in one 2019 incident, and this isn't this isn't even whitelisting. This is just the regular cross-check program and the delay and the delays. Uh, soccer star Neymar, right? He's one of the um, one of the 20 most popular influencers in the world. He's even better at social media than he is at soccer. And um, he was accused of rape by a Brazilian woman. And um, you know, Facebook. It was very and, and and so he he basically responded to that allegation on both Facebook and Instagram by streaming a video in which he um, said the woman was trying to extort him. And to try to prove that point, walked users through his WhatsApp chats with this woman, which included not only her real name, but also nude photos of her. Um, so Facebook's rules on uh, revenge porn, which it deemed this to be, are extremely clear. You take down the post and you, um, you take down the post and you delete the account. Both those things are, right? This is zero tolerance. Facebook, in this instance, um, didn't take action on the post at all for over 24 hours because Neymar was protected by a very high level of cross-check protections. 50 million people saw the posts. Uh, they saw this woman's nude photos. Uh, and she was harassed extensively, as Facebook's own, after, you know, sort of incident investigation of this found. Um, and... Uh, you know, they, this is kind of just the cost of doing business. And then the other thing is when instead of actually booting Neymar off the platform, which should have been the regular response, you know, this is written into Facebook's operational guidelines. They um, uh, they decided to let him, they, you know, give him a pass, basically. And that was something that senior leadership at the company allowed. So this is absolutely has been used by senior or by by prominent public figures. Uh, to abuse other people on the platform. In other words, and, he, he was able to be quote-unquote whitelisted because he had 150 million followers, and that's exactly why so many were able to see the damage that he did with this woman. Yeah, that is um, exactly. And, and so this is, this is kind of a form of privilege. Like, Facebook didn't want to... You know, one, they had a system in place that prevented them from taking action quickly, right? They, they obviously, they didn't want to leave that video up. That was a mistake. But when they did find, like, first of all, the system they, they created to make sure they didn't get in trouble with VIPs allowed for it to stay up for more than a day. And when they finally did catch it, they cut them a break. What level of involvement did Mark Zuckerberg or Sheryl Sandberg have in whitelisting and or the cross-check program? Uh, they were very aware of the program. I mean, as, as um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg noted, um, uh, you know, really tough, high-profile content moderation calls come down to him. So in the case of, um, 
in the case of, say, things involving President Trump. That was his call directly. And that was something that happened under the cross-check program. He was protected, uh, he was protected initially, right? Trump was on yes, the list. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. This, this is the looting and shooting um, post in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that should come down, it was very controversial. Whether that should come down was something that... Um, Basically, it would have come down if, if President Trump had been a regular user um, automatically or, or nearly all automatically. As soon as a single person complained that it was an incitement to violence, it would have been taken down by Facebook's algorithms. But obviously, that's not what happened because, um, you know, those decisions aren't going to get made in the regular process. That's the thing. Is this is a, it's a special consideration, right? It's not saying that Facebook wouldn't enforce its rules just that it was going to think long and hard about whether it wanted to first. So good for you that you uncovered this. How did it stay secret for so long? Um, well, Facebook wasn't exactly forthcoming about this, even when their oversight board, which is this body that they created intentionally to um, oversee, uh, to provide accountability to their content moderation um, operation, even when their oversight board asked about cross-check specifically and asked for data, Facebook said they couldn't provide it. It didn't exist. Um, I've seen the I've seen the data. They have an internal dashboard of it. So um, it's it's kind of a, a little bit implausible that they couldn't do that. But they appear to have misled their own oversight board, um, which is a funny way of treating something that you created last year to bring accountability to you. Um, and they um, you know sort of have just kind of muddled their way through and kind of been misleading to the public as well. Jeff, when did this end? Uh, it hasn't ended. Uh, Facebook has been trying to clean it up, right? Uh, I mean, they recognized kind of throughout, but definitely by 2019, they understood this was unsustainable, and they started trying to dial it back. They didn't want to dial it back much during the 2020 election, though, because that was when Facebook could really get in trouble, and they did not want to be in the middle, you know, by making high-profile mistakes on political content during that election season, right? So they kind of were working on it a bit, but... It looks like early this year they kind of set the goal of trying to make it so that no one was going to be exempt for quote-unquote severe violations, like completely exempt from punishment anymore. Uh, how they progressed on that isn't clear. The companies told me that they have, in fact, made good progress, and there are some indications of that from uh, the documents I've seen. Uh, but quantification of it in recent months and sort of where they are now um, – I don't have that insight. So how would someone have gotten on that list? Who made the determination Uh, if you were worthy? Literally any person who worked for Facebook for a long time could do it. Okay, but that implies that everybody was in the loop. Then I go back to my question of how could this have stayed so... I don't think most people people even understood they could, but this was being done by north of 40 teams across the country. A company um, were were doing the whitelisting alone, uh, and it was... I mean, this thing's kind of very – one of the problems they realized, they just never really invested in the program. They didn't staff it properly. They didn't set up organizational structures. I mean, I think one of the things that's like really interesting about this beyond just the fact of what Facebook did and allowed and what it publicly said it was doing and how that conflicts is this is a terrible organizational system. Like, I mean, just like shockingly bad. Um, and and uh, they – you know, if, let's put it this way. Um, if that is sort of how this company goes about doing business, uh, the makers of duct tape would be offended to be compared with, you know, 
Like, if you're saying it was held together with duct tape, that would be unkind to duct tape. I'm thinking a I'm thinking of a dated analogy, which is I I grew up in a small community where I remember letters to the editor. They would say, you know, we need your name and we need your town. Uh, and then we'll consider publishing your work. This is almost like the newspaper creating a list and saying, we need to know everything about you unless you're on this list, and then you can say whatever the whatever the hell you want about anybody or anything. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, it's, it's yes, it, it does feel weird, particularly for a platform that's supposed to be, you know, focused on giving people voice and allowing the little guy to speak up, to have such an entrenched system of protections for the powerful and for... Uh-oh. You know, influential okay. users. I, I have just... I have an important and final question. Surely it has occurred to Jeff Horwitz at the Wall Street Journal that maybe Facebook is not alone. Have you asked other social media platforms whether they have a similar program? I have not. I'm sure you're uh, on the case. I have. I have. I think it is a. I think for this way. I think it is a very legitimate topic. And some folks who have are very familiar with multiple companies have told me that. Um, that there are structural incentives in the industry to not get into fights with big shots. So I, I will leave it at that. I have not done the work to be able to comment on it. Okay, sum up. Good question. Sum up. I've posted your piece in all my social media, but, but give me the 20-second version. What do you most want people to know about this story and this investigation? Uh, I think that Facebook understands a lot about itself and about the ways that it can cause harm that isn't understood. This is a transformational technology, even if we're, you know, um, 17 years into it. Uh, and I think the world is still sort of grappling with what it means to live with um, social media, just as the world grappled with what it means to live with the printing press many centuries ago. And there are very much good things. And there are very much bad things, but right now uh, we're being largely kept in the dark, um, particularly about the bad things. Jeff Horwitz, The Wall Street Journal, that was excellent. Thank you so much for being here. Certainly. Thank you for having me. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter. Or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. 
Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.